Friends, God has shown us his great love in Jesus Christ. God has shown us his great love in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There is the forgiveness of sin in Jesus Christ. There is a future yet today. It is not gone. There is a future in Jesus Christ. Listen to me very carefully this morning. There is good news today in Jesus Christ. There is good news. Aren't you tired today of all the bad news? Aren't you sick of all the bad news? Good grief everywhere you turn, everything you look at. Aren't you sick to death of all the negative bad news? Listen, there is good news and the church is way too quiet in proclaiming it. We are, we are entirely too quiet in proclaiming it. Church, listen to me, these are our days. This is our time. This is our message. There is good news, and that good news is Jesus. As we go through the book of Acts, we are being trained in the church. Now, maybe you didn't know that was happening. Maybe you've been coming and you've been hearing and you've been uh, moving along in our Bible study, but that is actually what is happening. We are being instructed, we are being trained in the church in and through the Word of God. And if the world needs the church to be loud, if these actually are our days, God is instructing us in how to be loud through His Word. Our message this morning is entitled, Are We? Are We? We're in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 12. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you would stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, God's word says this. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. They passed through Phygerian and the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were going to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they, were down to, they went, came down to Traos. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Traos, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day that followed Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, 
which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today and we are thankful for you. We praise you. We worship you. Today we, we take this time and we fix our eyes upon you. We turn our gaze upon you. Lord, I pray that you would speak in our, in our time together this morning. I pray that it would be supernatural. I pray that it wouldn't be just a lecture, not just the passing on of information, but you would speak through your word, which you tell us is living and active. Lord, I pray that we would be trained as the church. I pray in a dark day that we would be prepared to be loud in the proclamation of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the folks that are here today. Bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, grow them. I thank you for them. Lord, I pray for those that couldn't be here today. I pray that you bless them and encourage them as well. Lord, I pray that in all of it that you are known that you are glorified, and that, Lord, today you would speak. We pray this, we trust this to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, as we move into the 16th chapter of Acts, it is the star of the account of Paul's second missionary journey. That's what it is called. We looked at his first missionary journey, his first missionary trip. And then in the 15th chapter, we looked at the council that met there in Jerusalem. That was what we looked at in chapter 15. Well, now we begin his second missionary trip, his second missionary journey in chapter 16. As we do, we want to use our verses to help us today in our church today to evaluate what we are doing, to evaluate how we are doing and what God's called us to do in this, his church. Now, remember, he is directing us. He is preparing us today. That's what we've been saying all the way through the study. He is preparing us in our mission to be loud with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so today we've got four questions to answer as the church and for each of us individually as members of the church. And that's what I want us to think about. As you're here today, I want you to think about these four questions that we should answer as a church and each of us individually as members, as pieces of the church. These four questions are going to begin, are we, are we? All right, let's look at our verses this morning. Chapter 16, verse 1 says this. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. At the end of chapter 15, Barnabas and Mark leave the church at Antioch, and they go in one direction, if you remember that, Paul and his partner Silas, they leave the church at Antioch and they go in another direction. And now in the 16th chapter, it says that they came to Derby and to Lystra. Now those are places, those are two cities that he visited, that he stopped and he preached in on his first missionary journey. And so now he is returning to those two cities. The Bible says when he came 
there was a disciple. Now remember that from our, from our definition. That is a person that has placed themselves under the teaching of Christ. This is a student of Christ, a disciple of Christ. When he gets to the city, there is a disciple there named Timothy. The Bible says Timothy's mother was a Jewish woman. We know that she was a believer. Her mother, his grandmother as well, was also a believer. And the Bible says his dad was a Greek. His dad was not a Jew. And most likely from the context, he had already passed away at this point. And so his mother is a believer, a Jewish convert to Christianity. His, his grandmother is a believer as well. His dad is Greek and has most likely passed away. Verse 2. And he was well spoken of by the brethren, those are the believers, who were in Lystra and Iconium. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. We know that Timothy was saved on Paul's first missionary trip from Paul. He, he refers to Paul as his spiritual father. From Paul, he hears the good news of Jesus Christ. That builds on the teaching of his mother and his grandmother. And in the influence of Paul's preaching of the gospel, he places his faith in Jesus. And so in his first trip, Paul's first trip, Timothy is saved. On the foundation that was built in his mother and his grandmother's teaching, Timothy places his faith in Jesus Christ. Well, between the time that Paul left and now that he has come back, Timothy has grown as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what we find here. He has matured, he has progressed as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, to the extent that people knew his reputation. It wasn't just some private thing, but he had grown as a disciple to the extent that those in the region knew his reputation as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay, so here's our first question today. Are we forming disciples of Jesus Christ? This is a question for us collectively as the church and each of us individually as pieces of the church. Listen, are we forming disciples of Jesus Christ? You see, Timothy is going to do great things for the Lord. He's going to be a great pastor of the church in Ephesus. He is going to be a blessing and an encouragement to Paul on this missionary trip. But Paul didn't know that when the process started. When he went there the first time, when he was preaching the gospel the first time, he didn't know that that was going to be Timothy's future. He had no idea when he came the first time. But here's the deal. But the church was doing what the church was supposed to be doing. And in doing the things that they were supposed to be doing, disciples are growing in that church. And so he is saved when Paul comes, but in Paul's absence, the church is doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing, and disciples are developing. Disciples are growing in that church. Are we forming disciples of Jesus Christ? Is that our work? 
Is that our goal? Are we training our kids and our youth to stand as disciples of Jesus Christ? Let me tell you more than that. Are we training our parents to train our kids and our youth to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ? Are, are we growing new believers as disciples of Jesus Christ? Here's a good question. Are we growing as disciples of Jesus Christ? You see, here's the deal. You cannot grow others if you're not growing yourself. And so there's a very real question here. Are you, am I, are we growing as disciples of Jesus Christ? Let me ask you a question. Have you grown in your walk with Christ this week? Well, I don't know. It went by kind of fast. Well, I don't know. We had spring break. Well, I don't know. We got off course. Well, what about this month? Have you grown in your walk with Jesus Christ this month? Would you say at the end of this month, at the, at the conclusion of March, that I'm a closer disciple of Jesus Christ? Have you grown in your walk with Christ this year? Would you say, I can look at this year and I can mark this year and I've grown as a disciple of Jesus Christ? We can't grow others if we're not growing ourselves. Are we growing disciples of Jesus Christ? Now, before we move on, let me add this. And I'm just going to throw it in here. How do we do that? That's a big question. How do we do that? What, how do we grow as disciples of Christ? How would we help others grow as disciples as well? Here's, here's the answer. It is in, listen very carefully, the input of the word of God. I'd like to tell you, you know what, it's this program and it's this book and it's this preacher or it's this tape to listen to. I would like to tell you, if you'll come to these six classes, it is by itself the input of the Word of God. It is studying the Word of God. It is memorizing the Word of God. It is hearing the Word of God. That is how you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listen, alone, that is how you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We have an interesting perspective because we have God's Word. Let me read you a letter that Paul would write at the end of his ministry to this preacher at the church in Ephesus, Timothy. Time has passed. Let me, let me read you the letter that Paul would write. Now, I'm just going to read you the verses, 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Here's what he tells Timothy. You, Timothy, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known, listen, the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. As a kid, Timothy's mother and his grandmother, the other disciples there in this church, they taught him the sacred scriptures, the word of God, and he grew as a disciple. Do you know that's our mission? I don't care what your occupation is. That is your mission. 
You're to be growing as a disciple. You're to be helping others grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We live in a day when nothing will stand. We live in a day when nothing is sure. We live in a day when all our logic is tossed aside. We have to stand on the word of God as disciples of Jesus. That is our mission. Are we forming disciples of Jesus? All right, verse three, moving on. Paul wanted this man, Timothy, to go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now I want you to see this in verse three. In verse three, for them, for Paul, for his team, for Timothy, reaching people was paramount. And that's what I'm going to tell you out of verse 3. Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ was primary to them. It outweighed all other things. Now I want you to think about two things in verse 3. First thing is this. It says that Paul wanted Timothy to go with him. I wanted him to come with me is what he says. Think about this. Do you know what happened to Paul in this very city, Lystra? Do you remember what happened to Paul? This is where he preached the gospel and they stoned him. They smashed him with rocks to the point that they thought he was dead. They drug him outside of town and left him for dead. That was in this city. Listen, Timothy heard about that. Timothy knew all about that. His mother heard about that. His grandmother knew about that. Don't you know they're saying, Paul, we see what happens when you preach the gospel. Paul, we saw what happened to you here when you stood on the gospel, and yet Paul says, I want you to come with me. Second thing, and this is weird, and and boy, is it a commitment, says that Timothy was circumcised. Probably a young man, maybe 20 years old. Why? Why? Let me just show you this. It wasn't part of salvation. It wasn't to be saved. That was settled in Acts chapter 15. That's part of the message that they declare in Acts chapter 16. It wasn't to be saved. It wasn't for salvation. Listen to this. It was so the Jews would listen to Timothy. 20-year-old man endures that so the Jews would give him a hearing, that they would be, give him an audience that he could find an audience with the Jews. Now he comes and he is half Greek. And so he's an outsider already. He's cast off already. They're already not to listen to him. And so that the Jews would listen, he is circumcised. It is all to reach this people group. Listen, reaching people was paramount to them. Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ was primary to them. It outweighed all other things. All right, let's keep going. Verse four. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which have been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. I remember the conclusion of the meeting in Jerusalem. They proclaim you are saved not by religious practice, not by circumcision, not by baptism, not by rule keeping, not by any work that man would take up, 
but we are saved in God's grace by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what the, the confirmation of the council was. We're not saved by circumcision. We're not saved by impressing somebody. We're not saved by doing something. We're saved by God's grace. He is gracious to us by faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so this verse says they go to these cities and they confirm that truth. If there's false teaching creeping in, they straighten up the false teaching and they preach the truth. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. They tell the Gentiles to be considerate of the Jews in their midst. And here's the result, verse five. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and we're increasing in number daily. Let me read that again. The result of that, so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. It says they were being strengthened in the faith, not, not their faith, their faith, it was in the faith. Now let's look at this. Strengthened, I like this, in the original language, it means confirmed. It means settled. And here's my favorite definition. Listen to this. Made immovable. That's actually the most literal translation. They were being made immovable in their faith. They are being taught. They are being trained in the faith, the truth of Jesus Christ. Their foundation was being set, and they were becoming immovable in their faith. Man, 2021. What if somebody says this to you, and it offends you? What if somebody says, you're not allowed to say that anymore, and they're offended with you? What if somebody says that's not logical and the universities are teaching something contrary to that? What if somebody comes along and says, you know what, that's outdated, that's ignorant, that shows that you have no sense? What if the circumstances of life pile in on top of you? Listen, they built a faith that was immovable. It was unshakable. It would stand the test of time. They are building disciples with an immovable, bold, strong faith. Wow. And then it says, and they were increasing in number daily. They were increasing in number daily. Now, I don't think I need to explain that to you, but I'm going to. People were hearing the gospel. There is salvation by faith in Jesus Christ. In the hearing of the gospel, the good news, they were receiving the gospel. They were being saved. And as they are being saved, the number of the church is increasing. The number of the church is growing. Listen very carefully. If the goal is to reach people, the Great Commission, go ye therefore into all nations. If the goal is is to reach people, Acts 1-8, you'll be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world. If the goal is to reach people, and if you're committed as they were in verse three, and if you're doing the thing that reaches people, the proclamation of the gospel, here we go. You should be reaching people. You should be reaching people. Doesn't that make sense? If you're as committed as they were in verse three, if you know the plan and you preach the gospel, 
people should be reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. Today we get complacent. Today we say, well, this is all there is. We've already been to every house in Vernon, Texas three times. We've already, we've already struck out. We've already invited everybody to our Easter service. This is all there is. Or maybe we start to say, well, I like the size of this church. I like the size of this church as it is now. I know everybody that goes here. Or we start to say, you know what, I, at least we're growing in depth. I don't see many growing in number, but at least we're growing in depth. That's the important thing, isn't it? Listen, folks, those are all cop-outs. We're to be burning with a desire to reach a lost and dying and perishing people with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that brings us to the second question. Are we fruitful in our efforts. Are we fruitful in our efforts? Us collectively as the church, us individually as pieces of that church. Are we fruitful in our efforts? Are we building a strong foundation? Are we building a foundation in our homes and with our kids, with our grandkids, with the folks that we have influence over? Are we building disciples that are bold and they can stand and when the things of life come, they will be immovable? Are we reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are our efforts bearing fruit? God help us bear fruit. God help us for his, for his glory, for his cause. God help us bear fruit. All right, verse six. They pass through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now listen to these weird verses. Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Notice it says they traveled through. They passed through. God said, don't stop and preach the gospel in this region. And so they passed through the region. That's an odd thing, verse seven. And after they came to Mysia, they were going to Bithynia, and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. What in the world? Verse eight. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now, what in the world is happening in this versing? They, in these verses, they are passing through these areas. They are moving through these regions, and God's plan evidently was for them not to stop, not to preach the gospel in these regions. Now, listen, that's hard to understand. They're out looking for people. They're driven, willing to reach people, and the, and the Holy Spirit of God leads them not to stop in these areas. I want you to see this. First off is this. God is not forsaking these areas. He's not writing off these areas. He, he's not saying, you know what, I don't care about those areas. They've offended me so much, I'm not gonna reach out to them. That's not what's happened. I want you to know this. Great movements of God will occur in those areas. Great churches will be started in those areas. Listen to the churches in those areas. The church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, the church at Laodicea, the church at Philadelphia, the church at Colossae, 
All of those churches are gonna be churches in those regions. God's gonna do a great work in those regions, but for whatever reason, his plan was to keep moving. And so that brings us to the third question. Listen very carefully. Are we faithful when we don't understand? That's a, that's a good question. Are we faithful when we don't understand? You see, in those days, and evidently in these days, that's gonna be a big deal. And that's, that's what he's showing them here. Evidently in those days, evidently in our days, that's gonna be a big deal. What, what if you were to say to God, I don't get it. I don't get it. There seems to be a better way than this. This doesn't make any sense. What's happening in my life doesn't seem to make any sense. Why is this happening? Why is it happening right now? Wouldn't this be a better way, Lord? I know a better way. Are we faithful when we don't understand? I thought about this. Do you know Paul could have said, God, there's lost people here? God, do you not see what I've done to reach lost people? Do you not see how committed I am to reaching lost people? God, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I gonna go somewhere else as I pass by these folks? God, I don't like this plan. I've got a better way. But God said, keep moving. And so verses six, seven, and eight, they keep moving. Are we faithful when we do not understand? Let me be honest with you. I'm gonna be very honest. These days we're living in do not make a lot of sense to me. And I, I can give you a hundred different examples, just stuff I saw this week. The days we're living in make no sense to me. What did make sense, it seems no longer makes any sense. And I'll just tell you very honestly, there's a lot of days that I don't get it. And for the life of me, I, I can't understand and I can't understand why things are the way they are, and I can't understand why they're going the way they're going, and I just tell you, I don't, I don't like some of it, and I can't understand it, and I want to tell you the truth of what God is showing us here. May we be just like Paul, and when we don't get it, we're faithful, and when we don't understand and we can't see it, we're faithful, and when we don't like it, we are faithful. All right, verse 9. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. I looked up the word help. Help translates relief, urgent aid. It was an urgent call for help. We need aid right now. Come over and help us. We need some relief right now. God had a different plan. And in his wisdom, it was the perfect plan. Now, they couldn't understand it as they passed through those cities, but God has a perfect plan. In Macedonia, where they go, there's going to be the church at Philippi. That's where they start. There's gonna be the growth of the church, the Philippian church. There's gonna be the church at Thessalonica. They're gonna teach those believers the gospel's gonna go out. He's gonna tell of the rapture to the church at Thessalonica. That happens in this region. God's plan is 
perfect. Notice in verse 10, when he had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia. It says we right there. I want to point this out. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. And now for the first time, he says we. He has joined them. I think that's an interesting thing. Timothy joins them here. Guess what? Luke does as well. What an awesome team Paul has assembled. For the rest of the book of Acts, it'll be we, and Luke will be with him for the rest of the trip. What a team. All right, verse 11. So putting out to sea, listen to this. So putting out to sea from Trous, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day following to Neapolis. Verse 12. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. Now, I want you to see this. Be sure and get this. They get the directions. They get their instructions, and it says they directly put out to sea at Trous, and they go straight to Salmon's Race. And not only they, once they're there, they don't stay one day, the next day they go to Neapolis. And then once they're at Neapolis, it says they go straight to Philippi. I want you to see this. They get the instructions from God and they don't have a committee meeting. They don't talk about it. They don't say we need to plan this. We need to prepare for next spring. They go and they go and they go and they stand in Macedonia in the city of Philippi. That brings me to the next question. Are we faithful when we don't understand? Here's the next question. Are we fast when we do understand? What a, what a good question. Are we fast when we do understand? See that hearing God's will, knowing God's plan, they are obedient, and listen very carefully, more than that, they are fast in their obedience. When they know what God has said, when they know what God has led, they are fast in their obedience. And they are urgent to go to Philippi and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no wasted time. There's no dragging their feet. There's no ease in the effort. When they're sure what God has led them, they are fast in their obedience. Listen very carefully. Hear me this morning. Be very, very clear. Today, and I don't, I don't care what stage of life you're in, I don't care where you, where, where, what place you sit when you're here today. You may be young and you may be starting out, you may be older, you may be in the midst of raising a family, I don't care. You may be working a job, you may be looking for a job. But I want you to hear me very carefully today. Today we can become overcome by what we don't know. I don't know how this government ends up and I don't know how our economy ends up and I don't know how this virus ends up and I don't know how they're gonna open this or close that. I don't know what next year's gonna hold. I don't know if oil prices are gonna go up to this. We can become overcome by what we do not know. Today we can get all bogged down and we can get all discouraged by what we do not know. Listen, we need to trust God with that. However, listen to me, Church of Jesus Christ, we need to get moving 
in what we do know. We could get so bogged down in what we don't know, we need to get moving in what we do know. Did you hear what I said? We need to get moving today in what we do know. And let me just tell you, in case you've forgotten, what we know today is that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is an anchor that has not moved. We know that Jesus is our Lord and he is the only hope of a perishing world. There's not four hopes, there's not three, listen, there's not even two. There is one hope for a perishing world. We know his word is truth. We know we're to stand on his word. We know we're to be in his word. We know we're to proclaim his word loudly and frequently to a lost and dying world. We don't need any more instructions. We don't need any more directions today to stand and proclaim to a world there is good news. There is good news. His name is Jesus. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Listen, it's time to get our heads up. It's time to lift our heads up and it's time to stand up straight on our own two feet and say, listen, there is good news today. There is a savior. Jesus saves. So let me ask you the last question, and that is this. So will we? Will we? Will we? Let's pray. Jeremy, Father, we come. And I'm so thankful, as messed up as this world has gotten, that we have not one reason to worry, not one reason that our anchor holds, that our foundation, our faith, you tell us, is immovable. Lord, help us stand on it. Lord, I pray as we go back to this week, we raise kids and we around grandkids and we teach, and we do business and we go back to our farms and our insurance agencies, all the businesses we'll go to. I pray that we'll be strong disciples, immovable of Jesus Christ. I pray that we'll proclaim in the lunchroom. I pray we'll proclaim every which way we turn that there is a hope, there is good news. I pray that a lost and dying world will see the good news of a light that shines in the darkness. Our Lord Jesus, Lord, help us in that. Propel us in that. Push us for that. Use us for that. Lord, we love you today. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.